Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1 Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. Well, 1 Timothy 5, we're back in our series, Guiding Truths, and we've been in it for a, um, about 11 weeks now. I think this is the 11th message, and it's been a helpful series. Of course, uh, I won't recap everything for us, but you'll recall Paul. Uh, he's writing to Timothy. Uh, if you go back to Acts chapter number 19, we find Paul, who was, uh, of course, at one time the persecutor of the church, but then became a great proponent of the church of Jesus because uh, because of the truth that he came to know Christ as his Savior, and the fact of the matter is that when you when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, everything changes, doesn't it? Man, everything in our life changes, and everything changed for Paul. And Paul went from persecuting uh, those who love Christ to now preaching Jesus and drawing people to Christ. And one of the places that he established a church was this city of Ephesus. Of course, Ephesus was known uh, for being a city of knowledge. This is where Celsus lived. Celsus was a very knowledgeable individual. They would actually attribute a library to him about 20 years after the writing of the book of 1 Timothy. And so you have the library of Celsus. This man, Celsus, was celebrated. Uh, We know that Ephesus was known for knowledge. Ephesus, like Athens and Corinth, was also known for architecture. Uh, very well known for being this city of, of architecture. And uh, if you go back and you look at some pictures of Ephesus, man, just amazing, amazing architecture that day and age. But the biggest thing Ephesus was known for was the goddess Diana, or Artemis. And uh, if you were to go and do some research, you would find this was the goddess of sensuality and was heavily, heavily celebrated. Uh, This goddess Diana was heavily celebrated and, and worshiped. And because of that, Because of that, many of the people there just indulged in many uh, sensual and fornicating acts. And then you had Paul come in, preach Jesus. God began to change lives. And Paul would write to, to the church at Ephesus, hey, your old life that you used to be, that life of fornication, that life of sin, that life of uh, wanting knowledge, it's gone. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new, just like he wrote to the church at Corinth. And again, helping us see that when Jesus enters a life, everything changes. Well, we've been going through this series, Guiding Truths, and we've learned a lot. Most recently, most recently, we were in the first part of First, uh, of first Timothy 5, and we found Paul <clears throat> writing to help the believers in Timothy with two words. Those two words are what every parent teaches their children. Get along. Hey, can't we all just get along? Can't you guys just get along? And so Paul would write to Timothy and to the church at Ephesus about those two words, get along. He wanted them to get along for a couple of reasons. The first one is Paul wanted them to get along because they had uh, influence. And if they weren't getting along, their influence would not be used correctly. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, if you're not getting along, your influence isn't going to be used correctly. And we use that illustration. You'll remember of the family at Walmart that they're just fighting, arguing and bickering back and forth. You're not going to join yourself to them and be like, hey, can I come home for lunch? You're not going to want to be a part of that family. But if there's a family that's getting along and a family that's respectful and a family that is treating each other kindly, you're more likely to want to know that family, get closer to that family. Why? 
because that family possibly could influence you and help you even in your life. And as Paul writes to this church at Ephesus and this, these believers at, uh, this believer Timothy and this pastor, he wants Timothy to understand when you got saved, you were brought into some new relationships. You were brought into God's family. That's 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. He says, hey, don't just treat older men like old men in the church. Don't treat older ladies just as old ladies in the church. Don't treat younger women and younger men just as, as young women and young men and novices. He says, no, I want you to learn to entreat each other, to call upon, call them to your side as a loving family. Entreat the older men as a father. The older women, and treat them as mothers, a comforting mother. The, the, the young men, treat them as brothers that would be there through thick and thin. And the young women, treat them as sisters with respect and with all purity. And man, some great lessons there. He said, not only do you have a, a, some new relationships, but you also have a new regard or a new way to view things. And Paul spoke about treating others with selflessness. He spoke about, mainly about the widows. Remember that? We were here last week, and he spoke about the widows. And hey, you need to look to the needs of those around you. Don't always try to just please yourself. Don't always try to meet your own needs. Instead, figure out, how can I use my life to invest in others? Have a new way of viewing things. View things through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ that says, I want to help those around me. And then the third thing was helping them understand that they have, if they're going to get along, they need to know that there's a new responsibility. When you receive Christ as your Savior and become a part of the church, man, when we get a part of the church, God places a pastor in the church to lead the church, and then he places people in the church to help it move forward. We're, we're, we're one unit moving forward. And he talks about how to take care of a pastor. And he had, really, there's encouragement there on a pastor of how to lead. And all of those thoughts last week were with this thought in mind. I just want to help you get along. Well, you say, well, why would Paul teach something like that? I think it's because Jesus taught it. Right? John 13. John 13, I have the verses there a little bit later, but John 13, verse 34 and 35, here's what Jesus said. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And so Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, listen, I want to help you get along just as Jesus taught the disciples. When you love people, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. That's what Jesus said. By what? by your love for those around you, by loving people like Jesus loves. And so the guiding truth last week was, hey, get along. How do I get along? By loving others the way that Jesus loves, by encouraging others the way that Jesus encouraged them, by living selflessly. Let me ask you a question, just a very simple question before we even get into this week's message. How did you do this last week at loving others as Christ loved you? How'd you, get, how'd you, how'd you do at living selflessly this last week? Our Life Stage Fellowship class lesson was really on selflessness this morning, a little bit of it. Man, how, how'd you do in your marriage? Kids, how'd you do with your parent? How, hey, how'd you do with coworkers this week, not exerting and, and inputting yourself all of the time, but living selflessly? You see, Jesus said, when you love selflessly, I will use that to draw people to myself. I, he'll use that to draw people to him. That's influence. And God wants you to have the influence. He wants you to use your influence and invest in others. But if we're not loving like he loves, if we're not getting along like he wants, we're gonna miss it. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I want to have that influence. I want to be able uh, to encourage people and use my life for other people. And so that's what Paul wrote about last week. Well, this week we're going to get another guiding truth. And so we're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you would stand with me, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse number 21 of 1 Timothy chapter number 5. And I want us to read a few verses, and, uh, and then we'll get into the message. 1 Timothy 5, verse number 21, down through 25, we read these words. I charge thee before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. I want you to go back to verse 21, and I want us to read just a few words just the first five words, here's what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I charge thee before God. I charge thee before God. We're going to start with that phrase today, and then we're going to get into these next four or five verses, and I believe we'll be helped this morning and encouraged by his word. Before we do that, though, let's just ask the Lord once more to bless our message and our time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment and just ask the Lord to speak to you and ask God to help you this morning to hear from him and to respond to him as he desires for you to. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the word of God and we pray that you would help us this morning. God, help us as we get into your word, that we would uh, come with open ears and open hearts. And Father, I pray that you'd be with uh, my mind and my heart today. I pray that you'd speak through me. I do pray, Lord, you give me uh, some mobility. And I pray, Father, that you would just help each of us to be arrested by your word, help our, our attention to be captured this morning. And then, Lord, I do pray if there's someone here that does not know for certain that heaven is where they'd spend eternity, I pray that today you'd help them to come to know you as their personal Savior. We love you. We thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. So a, a few months ago, of course, back at Christmas, we, uh, we saved up and we uh, were able to uh, uh, buy a little bit of a vacation and bought a vacation down to Texas and gave it to the kids for Christmas to go see uh, Hannah's brother and, and uh, his wife. Many of you might remember Tom and Ashley Perkins. They were part of our church for a little bit of time. And of course, they moved to Corpus Christi. And so we went down there and, and got to spend some time with them and uh, of course, the, uh, the kids always have a great time together, but that's our three kids, and then Savannah in the pink shirt, and, and Tommy's right there. Tommy, uh, he's in the white shirt, and little Tommy, he's about five years old. I think he just turned six, maybe, and uh, he's at that stage where he's putting sentences together, and so we... Uh, we were at a stop. We'd stopped by the store. Hannah ran in. She was getting some ice cream. And I was in the driver's seat. By the way, they, they upgraded the rental car to a Dodge Charger, a 2018 Dodge Charger. 
That's bad for a pastor in Texas. <laughs> See, I don't know the cops in Texas. So anyway, I was in the front passenger, I was in the driver's seat of this car, and, and uh, behind me uh, was Dennis, and Tommy was in the middle, and then Micah was right behind me, and Hannah went in, and you know, as any loving father would, when you're sitting in the car, kind of not doing anything, just listening to the radio, uh, I look back, and, and the boys were just kind of there talking, and every loving father should do this. I just reach back and slap Dennis's knee and begin to, to tickle his knee just a little bit, you know, and I was kind of reaching, and he's like, Dad, stop, Dad, Dad, stop, Dad, I hate that, Dad, stop, Dad, come on, Dad, and then, and then I reach this arm around, and so this arm's back, and I can't really do it very well right now, but I'm, I'm tickling Dennis, and then I reach back with this arm, and I start tickling Micah, and Micah's going, Dad, quit it, Dad, uh, and they're laughing, and so then I kind of turn, and I look, and I see Tommy, and he's just like, He's just looking at me, and I reach back with one hand. I start tickling Tommy's knee, and, and Tommy just starts laughing, and, and he's kind of giggling for a little bit. He's, he goes, ha, ha, stop it, Uncle Dennis, stop it. <laughs> and I wasn't stopping, and finally, he stopped laughing. He goes, stop it, Uncle Dennis, stop it. <laughs> it's just how he said it. He said it just the cutest way. Of course, I just started dying laughing, and, and I stopped. I was like, man, he's, he's serious. You know, he's going to beat me up or something. And uh, a few minutes later, Hannah made her way back to the car, and we're getting the car, and, and um, she, she said something about, well, how long do we have till we get to the house, to Tom and Ashley's house? And I looked at the clock, and I looked at the map I had. I said, oh, it's a, I think it's about 10 minutes from here. And Tommy right then, he didn't miss a beat. He goes, yeah, about 10 minutes and 88 cents. All the four of us start laughing, and Dennis was like, Tommy, 10 minutes and 88 cents? He goes, yeah, I'm serious. I live here. I know. It's 10 minutes and 88 cents. You're like, okay, Tommy, it's going to take us 10 minutes and 88 cents to get to the house. In those two instances, my nephew, five or six years old, he used a phrase, and he used a motion, a hand gesture, to help me understand something. The hand gesture he used was this. <laughs> stop it, Dennis. Or stop it, Uncle Dennis. Stop it. He changed, his tone of tone, he changed his tone of voice, and he gave me the hand motion. After the 10 minutes and 88 cents, he said, I'm serious. I know I live here. 10 minutes and 88 cents. He used the phrase, I'm serious. You've been around somebody that they just trying to get your attention. They're either doing it with a facial expression, right? That was your mom in the grocery store. Your mom didn't have to say anything. She just looks at you. But there's other times when maybe it's your spouse and they say, listen, I'm serious. I'm serious. You know what, as you and I come to 1 Timothy chapter number five, Paul is actually using that phrase, I'm serious. It's in the word charge. The word charge, what that word means is I, have, I am earnestly or I am seriously challenging you for something. Timothy, I charge you before I am seriously challenging you before God, 
before Jesus and before the angels, they are my witnesses that I am calling you to a challenge. As you and I come into 1 Timothy chapter number five, and I find Paul with this challenge of him saying, I'm serious, I earnestly or seriously challenge you before God. He's calling Timothy and the church at Ephesus to, he's trying to call their attention to something that he's serious about. Well, what is he serious about this morning? What is he trying to call their attention to? And I want you to notice what this challenge is today, because I see that this serious challenge, a few thoughts about it. Number one, I want you to see that Paul is calling Timothy to a serious challenge, and the challenge is, first of all, to abandon partiality. Abandon partiality. Look at verse number 21. Paul says this, I charge thee, I seriously, earnest, earnestly challenge you before God, before the Lord Jesus and before the angels, that you observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. If you'll recall, Paul's been speaking about relationships and dealing with people within the church, and he has spoken about the leadership. He's spoken about uh, the church widows. He's spoken about every age of those in the church, every gender of those in the church. He's spoken about every relationship of those in the church. He's spoken about men, women, boys, girls. Paul's addressing all of these relationships. He's strategically said, I want you to treat everybody with kindness I want you to treat everybody with selflessness. I want you to treat everybody with the love that Jesus had toward us. I want you to respect the leadership. I want the leadership to lead correctly. All of those things are in the first 20 verses. And then verse 21, he comes and he says, now, I challenge you with something. Observe these things without partiality. Observe these things without preferring one before another. The word partiality, it means picking sides or having prejudices. It's a very interesting little study. <clears throat> Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, Timothy, Timothy, do not pick and choose which relationships you're going to invest in. Don't pick and choose which truths you're going to observe. No, Timothy, observe or the word observe, pay attention to all of them. Timothy, I want you to be faithful to pay attention to all of these things. Be faithful to invest in every relationship. Be faithful to see the needs of everyone. Again, Paul has been speaking to all of these things, and so now he calls Timothy back to these things. I want you to, I, I seriously challenge you to observe, to pay attention to all of these things. He doesn't say, hey, uh, the last phrase I said about rebuking an elder, that's the most important. Or the first phrase I said about engaging in a relationship in the church family, that's the most important. Or you know what? The middle part about investing in older widows, that's the most important. No. Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, I'm challenging you. I'm seriously calling you to understand all of these things deserve your attention. Do it without partiality without prejudice. Don't observe these things with partiality. Let me just give you a quick thought. 
If we're going to be honest this morning, I believe we all would have to admit that we live with prejudices. And that prejudices are often hard to deal with and hard to get over. Think about this. We approach tasks with prejudice and we approach people with prejudice. And here's Paul calling Timothy, do not observe or pay attention to things based upon prejudice or partiality. Timothy, don't go through your Christian walk with prejudice. Now, I want to apply this in a couple of ways. Number one, I think all too often within the church, listen, don't miss it this morning, all too often within the church, we operate, we observe things with a prejudice towards people. Paul's just been challenging to Timothy to invest in relationships. He's called Paul to, or he's called Timothy to lead correctly and the people to invest in the leader, invest in widows and invest in older men, older women, older lady, or younger, younger men and younger women. Let me ask you a question. Who does that cover within the church? Wait, let's all say it. Who's it cover? Everyone. Everybody. It covers everyone. And here's what Paul says. Now, Timothy, I don't want you to pick and choose which one of these things you pay attention to. You say, Pastor, what does that mean for us? Don't choose. Don't choose which people you're going to be kind to or show the love of Christ to based upon your own prejudice, your own partiality. Boy, what a needed lesson for believers and our culture today. What does partiality do? Partiality, partiality, it, uh, it loves people how I want to love people. Partiality, um, it invests into the relationships and uses influence to encourage others based upon who I want to encourage and who I think deserves my encouragement. Partiality views people, listen, partiality views people through differences. That's what partiality does. Christ-likeness views people through the eyes of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. We're going to talk. It's a little in-house. This is a little in-house. That means it's, we're in-house. This is Moses Lake Baptist. We're going to talk as family. It's a family chat. Y'all ready for a family chat? How many of you had family discussions growing up? I hated them because I never understood them. <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> we're going to have a family discussion. Let's be honest. Are there some people maybe in the church family that if you were to be honest, you would say, you know, sometimes they rub me the wrong way. Anybody have that happen? Raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. Okay, good. Some of you aren't being honest. <laughs> All of us could say that. All of us can say somebody rubs me the wrong way. Okay, partiality says this. Partiality says, you know, that Danny fella. 
always sitting there in the second row, always singing out with the specials. That's what Danny does. If you ever sit up close enough, the words are on the screen. If the words are on the screen, Danny's singing it. You know what somebody could say? You know what? Because I'm not like that, I then, and we won't verbally say it, but our actions do. Because he sings during the specials, I'm never going to sit by him. That's why Janet's not here today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what? Listen. Listen, partiality views people through differences. Does that make sense? Partiality says, well, Danny does that differently than me, and I can't. I can't. You know what? Micah, he does that differently than me, and so I'm not even going to. Well, you know what? Richard, that guy Richard, you know, he does this a little bit differently than me, and so I'm going to distance myself from that relay. Oh, yeah, I'll be cordial to him. Oh, I'll be kind to him. Oh, I'll be kind to Micah. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get along with him. But I'm not going to invest in the relationship. Why? Because, you know, there's a personality conflict. (laughs) Can I just be honest with you? And if I could stand up on this seat, see how the inside of me wants to do something. I want to jump right now. Pretend I'm on this seat going like this. (laughs) You 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 know what those personality conflicts really are? And I'm, this might be a little mean. It's pride and selfishness. Why? Because Proverbs says this, only by, con- only by pride cometh contention. No wonder Paul says, hey, don't address things, don't address relationships with partiality. You know, that guy, Jim Kimball, boy, I tell you what. Oh man, him and, him and John. <laughs> you know what Jim and John do that drives me nuts? They can pull off the sweater vests all the time. I say it to John, like every, I'm like, John, you do the sweater vest so well. Sweater vests make me look huge. I could say there's this personality difference because they're more stylish in sweater vests than I am. Now that's a silly thought, but listen, don't, don't our prejudices find the silliest reasons to find fault with people? Yeah, it does all the time. Man, what's Paul saying? He says, hey, don't operate based upon partiality. Don't operate based upon prejudices. Did you know Jesus even taught this? Jesus taught it to his half-brother, James, and James wrote about it. Phenomenal passage. Notice it with me, if you will. James chapter 2, verse, 10, or verse 1 through 10. James said this, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. The word gay right there it just means spirited clothing. If you have respect unto him and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place. And, and then you say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hey, listen up. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him, but ye have despised the poor. 
Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? And do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now let me ask you, that's some pretty powerful words, isn't it? Man, here's what Jesus, here's what Jesus taught James, and James says to us, don't live Christian life with partiality. Don't live it with prejudice. We can be prejudiced towards people. Instead of being prejudiced toward people, have this mindset. Lord, I want to invest and encourage anybody. I want to invest. That, that's, that's what Paul's been talking about. I want to invest and encourage anybody. Older widows, younger widows. Older men, younger men. Older women, younger women. Anybody that comes around, I want to use my life and to invest and encourage them. Now, it doesn't mean every single person has to be your best friend and comes over to the house every night. It just means that you're not operating by seeing people how you want to see them, but instead you're viewing them how Christ views them, worthy of investment. That's big, isn't it? Man, we, we can operate off of prejudice, partiality. Here's what Paul's saying. Abandon partiality. Abandon the partiality with people, but then abandon the partiality or prejudice with tasks. You say, Pastor, how can we be prejudiced with tasks? Here's what Paul said. Hey, I want you to observe these things without preferring one another and without partiality, without preferring one another is talking about people and without uh, observing these things is I don't want you to pick and choose what you obey. We do that with God, right? I mean, we pick and choose what we want to obey and how we want to obey. Think about this. How often are we guilty of not observing or paying attention to something that the Lord wants us to do simply because it is, quote, not us? Well, that's just not me. You know, I know God wants me to invite my coworker to friend day, but that's just not me. Pastor, I'm not outgoing like you. I'm, I'm more of an introvert. That's just not me. I know God wants me to, but that's a little, you know, that's like a little out of my comfort zone. Can I help you with that? Again, this is a little preachy. I'm, I'm back up on the chair right now doing this again. When we do that, I can't. <laughs> When we do that, when we say, well, that's just not who I am, that's just not my comfort zone, we're saying, God, you can have every part of me except for. You know what we're doing? Operating by partiality. Prejudice regarding tasks. We're often quick to dismiss something that we know the Lord wants me to do simply because we just don't want to do it. We'll serve when it's convenient to serve, will help with something when we feel like it. Now listen, I'm not talking about doing everything out of guilt. You know, I'm not talking about ministry involvement Sunday comes out and I'm like, fine, it's that time. Check, 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 check. I guess I'll sign up for everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things in your life and you know them and I know them in my life. When God is calling you to take a step of faith and you choose not to simply because of the lack of comfort or the lack of desire, what are we doing? We're operating by partiality. Here's what Paul is saying. Abandon that. Don't live by partiality. Prejudices with people and prejudice with tasks, 
throw it out the window. Here's what God says. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Here's what God says. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. What is that? Hey, every task I do, do it for him. Every task I do, do it for the Lord. Operate for him. What is that? That's abandoning partiality. You still with me this morning? Man, abandon partiality. Don't be prejudiced with people. Don't be prejudiced with tasks. What's the second challenge? Paul says this, I want you to adopt purity. Abandon partiality and then adopt purity. Well, what do you mean, Paul? Look at verse number 22 and 23. Paul says this, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine thine often infirmities. I want to first off address verse number 23. Paul says, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. In this verse, Paul is speaking about physical health. All right, he's speaking about physical health. He charges Timothy to take care of his health. Paul advises Timothy for the use of wine for his stomach's sake. Now, many Christians like to come to this verse and say that this verse gives you a license to drink alcohol. While others make the claim that the word wine simply means fruit of the vine or strong grape juice. I want to give you a couple of thoughts. I believe that in the context of the passage and from other places of scripture that you can compare, I believe that Paul knew something about Timothy's health. I believe he knew that Timothy was dealing with an ailment. Paul knew that that ailment was hindering Timothy's work for Christ. Okay, it was, it was an infirmity. It was a setback that was hurting the cause of Christ going forward. Paul also knew, and you can do the research, that the water during this time, especially in areas like Ephesus, Athens, and Corinth, the water was not good to drink. It was an unhealthy, parasited water. had parasites in it. I mean, you look at the, uh, the great plagues of the 1100s. Why did that happen? Water. It was the water that took place, the Black Plague. That was all, it was not all started because of water, but it was continued because of the water. So here's what Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy, you need, your, you need to get your health back up. So quit drinking the water. Instead, I want you to drink, I want you to take some wine and use it for thy stomach's sake. Now, I personally lean to the fact that this wine is not talking about an alcoholic uh, beverage that is uh, sold in the stores and fermented for a hundred years. I don't believe that. When you look at the word wine, the word wine in this passage is adopted from a Greek word, or excuse me, from a, a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is, I believe, I don't have it sitting right here, but the Hebrew word, I believe it's yaye, and it's simply, in many passages, it means just fruit of the vine. So it's a very strong grape juice. That could be an argument, or it could be an fermented wine. Either way, here's what we're looking at. Paul is challenging Timothy, take care of your health. Can I just help us with something? Our health is important. Right now I'm learning this even more. Because this week, I haven't been able to do anything. 
I've been a lazy bum. Like Wednesday, I was on my back all day. We had company this week and I was like, hey, y'all have fun. I'm gonna lay right here on the floor. That's where I'm at, I ain't moving. You know what, our health is important, isn't it? If we don't have our health, we can't serve the Lord well. Take care of your health. Now, for those people that would say, well, pastor, does this verse give us, uh, does it give us you know, um, permission to, to drink? I'll tell you this, I'll be very honest with you. The Bible is actually kind of gray in the area of alcohol. Did you know there's nowhere in scripture the Bible says, do not ever drink alcohol. However, we can take principles of scripture and understand verses like this. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Here's what God says. Probably not the wisest thing to give yourself over to that. Probably not the wisest thing to do that. Now, if we're looking for excuses to do what we want, we'll find them, or won't we? I mean, if I was looking for an excuse to, uh, uh, I can't think of something, rob a bank. I'm not gonna do it, but if I was, I could probably find it. But here's what God says about alcohol. Giving yourself over to it, it's not wise. Okay, does that help us with verse number 23? All right, now let's go to verse 22 because there's a key phrase in it that helps with all of it. Paul says this, lay hands suddenly upon no man. Keep thyself, what's the word? Look at it, look at verse 22. Keep thyself what? Pure. Keep yourself pure. Paul says, I want you to adopt purity into your life. What is Paul doing? He's encouraging, he's encouraging Timothy to keep his leadership pure. Keep his leadership pure and keep the leadership of the church pure. That phrase, lay hands suddenly on no man, this is uh, him saying, don't just promote anybody into leadership. Leadership should be proven people. Just as a, a pastor should not be a novice, we saw that in chapter three, leadership within the church should be people who have proven themselves to be faithful, honest, true, loving, and of good character. Paul is encouraging Timothy to have spiritual wisdom and guidance in selecting people uh, to lead within the church. He's saying, hey, listen, don't just pick anybody because they show up for two weeks. That's why at our church, uh, people say, well, when, when can I be involved in this? Or when can I do that? Or when can I do this? Uh, man, at Moses Lake Baptist, we want to approach that with wisdom, don't we? Man, I want to approach it with wisdom. Why? Because I don't want somebody who's just been around for a week or two uh, to, be, to be teaching Sunday school. Why? Because we, we don't know if they're living it. We don't know what's going on in their life. And so we want to make sure that we're proving that. That's what that phrase is. And then Paul says this, hey, keep the church pure, but keep yourself pure. Keep thyself pure. Paul or Timothy, pay attention to keeping yourself right with God. The idea of paying attention and keeping ourselves right with God is Paul challenging Timothy to keep sin out of his life. Keep, keep sin out of your life and keep uh, temptation out of your life. Uh, keep your heart right with God, Timothy. That's what he's challenging him to do, saying, hey, I'm calling you to something. Number one, abandon partiality, but two, adopt purity. Hey, Timothy, make it a goal of yours to live without sin. Now, someone would say, well, pastor, that's absolutely impossible. True. It's impossible to live a sinless life in this flesh. But here's what I want to ask you. Can you strive for it? Yeah. 
But a lot of us, we don't strive for it because we see it as impossible, so we just throw in the towel. We just give ourselves over to the flesh. Here's what Paul wrote to the churches of Rome uh, there in Romans 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Hey, you are dead to sin. Don't carry that baggage any longer on you. I gave the illustration when we were preaching our series in Romans. Those of you that were here might remember it. That uh, Paul at one point uh, used the wording that helped us understand what he was referring to. That in Rome, the custom was if you murdered somebody, your punishment was to carry around that dead body until you died. That's what they would do. So they would take the dead body of a person you murdered, they would chain it to you, and you would live the rest of your life, which usually was only about two or three weeks. You would live the rest of your life carrying around the dead carcass, the dead body of someone that you had murdered. Here's what Paul is saying. You are free from the dead sin that you used to carry around. Stop carrying it. The baggage is not yours. You don't have to live with it anymore. You do not have to give yourself over to sin. And this is what Paul is saying now to Timothy. Keep yourself pure, Timothy. Hey, keep your life right, Timothy. Hey, Timothy, keep a short account with God. Have a right heart, a right life with God. I think about 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and what? Sin not. Sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I think about Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, this written to the church at Ephesus. He said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, They've given themselves over unto sin, lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if, ye, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. What truth? That ye put off concerning the former lifestyle conversation, the old man which is corrupt, according to the dead deceitful, lead, deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Paul, in all of his letters, he calls the believer to live a pure life. I think about the kids' song written from the verse, Proverbs 1.10, My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The song goes, consent thou not, consent thou not. My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not, consent thou not. And you sing it with kids. And what are you teaching? Hey, don't give in to sin. As Paul's writing, keep yourself pure. Don't give in to it. Abandon partiality. Hey, adopt purity. And then the last thought this morning is this. Abide personally. I'm going to give it to you very quickly. Look at 24 and 25. It says, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. And some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. These verses, basically, they're saying this. Paul is bringing to Timothy's attention one more time that what is going on in your heart, it will show up in your life. Some people, you can openly see their sin. Others have consequences of their sin that eventually catch up to them. And the same is true with righteousness. Some people live a righteous life and you can see it. 
Others, you just watch it, watch their righteousness catch up to them and their good works catch up to them. That's what verse 24 and 25 are saying. From these verses, I want to bring out a great verse and a reminder that Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus said this, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Listen this morning, what's on the inside of your life will soon be identified in the actions of your life. What is on the inside of your life will soon be identified in the actions of your life. And so what does that challenge us to do? That challenges us to abide personally with the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. John 15, 34, John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. To abide in Christ is to be comfortable in Christ and to continue growing closer to Christ. And what I want to point out is this, that if we want God, if we want God to be evident in our public life, then we must walk with God in our personal life. If you want God to be evident in your public life, you must walk with God in your personal life. That's verse 24 and 25. Some men's sins go open before them to judgment. I mean, it's, it's very easy to judge. Others, their sins follow after them. It catches up. Likewise, the good works of some are identified. And others, it's not going to be hid. It's going to catch up sometime. Paul is simply saying this. Hey, Timothy, listen. What's on the inside of your life, it's going to come out. Christian, can I tell you this? What's on the inside of your life this last week of March 2019? It eventually is going to come out. And if you want God to be, I don't know about you, but you're here on a Sunday morning, I'm assuming you're here because you want God to be evident in your life. If you want God to be evident in your public life, what everybody sees, then you must and I must walk with him in our private life, in our personal life. I must walk with him each and every day. Why? Because what's on the inside, it will come out. What a great challenge. What a great challenge that Timothy gives, or Paul gives to Timothy. I think about Colossians 3.1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Think about 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, grow in grace. All of those are a call to abide personally with the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. You know, a little bit ago, we started, we looked at my nephew, Tommy. Listen, <clears throat> I don't know how you are when a five-year-old says, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm kind of like that. Stop it, Uncle Dennis. Stop it. I laughed. I stopped, but I laughed. I'm serious. 10 minutes and 88 cents. I know it. I laughed. You know, when a five-year-old says, hey, I'm serious, we probably snicker a little bit. But when Paul, who walked with God, who wrote 14 of the New Testament books that we hold in our hand, who started over two dozen churches, who led thousands of people to the Lord Jesus Christ, when he says, hey, I want to talk to you seriously for a moment. I don't think it's a laughing matter. I think we need to step back and say, all right, Paul, what do I need to know? Abandon partiality. Hey, quit living life, prejudice with people and prejudice with tasks. 
Where are you at on that? Who have you been offering love to based upon your desire and not God's desire? Prejudice during tasks. What is it that God's been challenging you to do that you've been putting off? Well, that's just not me. That's just not my comfort zone. Well, that's just, listen, abandon that. Get away from it. Abandon partiality. Well, what else, Paul? What else are you serious about? I want you not only to abandon partiality, but I want you to adopt, what was the word? Anybody remember? Oh, you're gonna make me go back to my notes. Purity, thank you, it just left me. (laughs) Abandon partiality, adopt purity. Hey, keep yourself pure. Believer, you wanna walk, you, you want, listen, you wanna really walk with God? Get sin out of your life. How can two be together except they're agreed? How can sin walk with God? How can righteousness walk with unrighteousness? It can't. It's not going to. Listen, you're not going to experience a victorious Christian life as long as you're just continuing to give in to sin. So adopt purity. Abandon partiality. Adopt purity. But then third and most important, abide personally. I love, I love this quote. If you want God evident in your public life, walk with him in your personal life. How about it? This week, will you just say, all right, God, Paul was serious when he gave me the challenge, so I'm gonna respond seriously. I'm not gonna live by partiality. I'm gonna live with purity, and I'm gonna abide with you personally. But maybe you're here this morning, and the reason you're not abiding with him personally is because you don't know him. I wanna ask you this question. Do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure that Jesus Christ is your savior? If not, then today could be the day where you put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. Well, I've been to church. Church doesn't save us. I've been baptized. That doesn't get us to heaven. You need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and to be your savior. And maybe today that's the decision you need to make. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And if God's spoken to you, I'm gonna pray and we'll have a time of invitation. But before we do, I'm gonna ask two questions. The first is this. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? If that's you today, you'd say, Pastor, I know for certain I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Right up and right back down. How are you doing on these three things? Maybe today God spoke to you because you've been living with that prejudice. You haven't been keeping sin out of your life. You haven't been walking with him each and every day. Maybe today God spoke to you to respond to him. Maybe you're here and you'd be honest, Pastor Dennis, I don't know for certain that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? Because I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. Now, if that's you today, I invite you to come. We'll take a Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. For all of us, let's respond in seriousness and let's respond as God's asked. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray you'd help us today to live out these truths. Help us to abandon that partiality, not operate based upon our prejudices. Help us to adopt purity, to bring that into our life, being right with you. And then Lord, help us to abide with you personally each and every day. Bless the invitation. Help those in here that need to respond to receive you as Savior. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.